0: The Leadership File, on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. Our expectations of leadership are a major factor in how we experience leadership. In today's Christian scene, you might assume that only those that look attractive and sound engaging are likely to cut it. I'm joined this week by Alan Palmer, who is Head of Religious Studies and Head of Scholars and Oxbridge at Colford School and has served as a pastor in both the UK and Canada. He's been looking at the model of leadership that the Apostle Paul gives us and asks whether we need to adjust the kind of paradigms that are commonly assumed. Certainly, by all accounts, the Apostle Paul neither looked nor sounded like the sort of leader we would want heading up our church or charity. So welcome back to Leadership File, Alan.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Good to, good to have you on again. Um, just to remind uh, listeners, you served as a leader in both uh, the UK and the US.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, um, in the United Kingdom, Belgium and Canada, um, where I was uh, a teaching pastor in uh, three different churches there. Good
0: stuff. Um, and you've been reflecting on the modern Christian scene and and how some leaders come across you versus the kind of leadership that Paul particularly defends in 1 and 2 Corinthians and other parts.
1: Yeah, that's right. I've been looking at uh, the character of Paul's leadership and the, the style that he he takes on and, and that he suggests that we take on through his correspondence in the New Testament. And one of the things that I've noticed as I've been looking through this um, and thinking about it and reflecting upon it is that uh, Paul's CV, his approach to leadership is is radically different from the, the model that we often have seen uh, in our own churches, and the way that we're taught in many uh, theological seminaries and Bible college. I mean, for, for a start, I mean, he didn't have the uh, the glamorous appearance. Uh, tradition tells us that he was uh, short, bow-legged, probably with a hooked hook nose. Um, he, he also had a, a very kind of dodgy past in, in terms of what he'd been involved in, uh, arresting, torturing, maybe even murdering Christians, and he was obviously there at the The martyrdom of Stephen, um, holding the clothes of those who were throwing stones at Stephen. Um, The other thing, Andy, that I've noticed is that Paul was prepared to do something that I've always been trained not to do, and that's to be really open and vulnerable about his weaknesses and his own shortcomings. He is not opaque. He's transparent. He really does try to let us into both the light and the dark side of his life and he doesn't hide. Um, You've probably heard of John Updike, the American author. He talks about practicing something called mask and freiheit, which is a German word for the freedom of the the mask. And John Updike hides behind his characters. And one of the things I've noticed is, including in my own life, is that we pastors and leaders tend to hide behind the position that we hold. Um, We tend to adhere to a stereotype Uh, We tend to give the impression that we are a problem-free zone. We we have a good spiritual life. We have good prayer times. We have good experiences of God's Spirit. We read the Bible. We understand it. We witness. There's no problems in my family. Um, My relationship with my wife and kids is great. And we try to hold that image up, and we start to become mask wearers. Um, We start to act or suppress. Uh, to hide behind uh, what people think that we should be like. And I'm afraid reading what Jesus has to say about play actors in the Sermon on the Mount, we tend to fit into that category that there's a different person uh, behind the public persona. And that's one of the things, Andy, I see Paul absolutely not doing. He's quite open, particularly in First and Second Corinthians, about uh, his own inadequacies and his own sense of weakness
0: Yeah, I mean, it is is astonishing to read some of this stuff, Um, you know, um, and I think certainly in part of 2 Corinthians, he's kind of parodying, isn't he, the kind of uh, the the Roman norms of, of... um, listing credentials, and he's doing the opposite. You know, kind of. Yes, he is showing showing. You know, you know. And some people read it without realising his his extreme irony in the in the passage.
1: That's ab- absolutely right. There's no doubt that a lot of our church structures were lifted lifted straight from uh, Roman culture, and and all, and our leadership models um, were definitely seen in the way that Romans Romans kind of conducted organizational structures. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because Paul um, admits that he's not eloquent. Um, he's not an impressive person in the sense of uh, when you meet him. Uh, he's speaking. He, he actually um, lulled the young man to sleep. We read about it in Acts, and the young guy fell out of the windows to his death. And he talks about God choosing foolish things, weak things, despised things, the things that don't count in the world. He talks of himself as a cipher. Or a nothing, and he said, "What am I? Not who am I?" He also describes himself as a servant, and for me, that's a really important word because it's literally the the um, galley slave, the the slave rowing on the bottom line of the rowers, the person at the bottom of the pile. He calls himself a fool for Christ, and 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 to me, that is. And I don't think that he's doing this to gain effect. I don't think he's doing this for us to to give him compliments. I think he recognises that um, to really be used by God, um, you've got to be flat on your face recognising your inadequacies, inadequacies, recognising that, you know, uh, it's not the kind of leadership model that most people in the world, and and, and sadly, most people in the church uh, look to find.
0: Now, I mean, one of the key questions of of New Testament scholarship, uh, along with who wrote the book of Hebrews, is is the thorn in the flesh that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 12. Um, And I understand you think this passage is especially significant in the whole um, understanding of leadership?
1: Yes, I I do think it's important because I think it could actually be the core um, and the actual focal point of what leadership means. Um, We always struggle with languages and images, um, but Paul is very open um, about talking about what was happening with him uh, in, in, t- in two ways in this particular passage in, in 2 Corinthians. What he seems to be saying is that he he had this experience of going to the third heaven and experiencing ecstasies and and wonders and, um, and the presence of God in a way that most people would never have experienced. But he's reticent to speak about that. He speaks about it as if it's happening in the life of somebody else. And I kind of contrasted that when I was reading it with what would happen if one of our well-known Christian leaders had that kind of experience today. Um, I think they'd be writing books about it, they'd be on the radio talking about it, they'd be giving seminars about it, they'd be doing world tours about it. But Paul is very reticent even to talk about it. And then he comes with a kind of coup de grace. He says that to keep me from becoming inflated or to keep me from becoming proud... God allows Satan to stake him with a spike, uh, a scallops, a, a thorn, or a, or a sharp piece of wood. Now, I'm not going to be the guy to say I know what that thorn in the back um, was. If I, no, if I, was. I, thought,
0: I thought this was the moment. <laughs> uh, well, uh,
1: yeah, but um, let me let you down kind of slowly. There's, <laughs> there's so many different um, permutations and ideas, and I've read lots of different ideas on it. And it seems that the... the the common consensus is that it was physical, maybe. We know from Galatians that Paul may have had some kind of problem with his eyes. Um, it may have been spiritual. Was he still suffering from guilt? I mean, or was he like Martin Luther, who even to the end of his days was worried about leaving Catholicism? Was Paul worried at any point about leaving Judaism or what he had done in leaving that, leaving his family, leaving his culture? maybe it was sexual temptation um, that's been another that's been put on the table maybe it was psychological was paul a depressive we know he was exhausted through his ministries we know that sometimes he felt extremely low we know that sometimes he was uh, felt betrayed or it may have been opponents it may have been human opponents who were making his life particularly difficult certainly in second corinthians where he is dealing with um, these super apostles these christian sophists these Gnosis, gnostics maybe And like uh, Jean-Paul Sartre said, you know, um, hell is sometimes other people. So I, I honestly don't know what the thorn in the flesh was, Andy, but I do know that Paul didn't want it. He wanted God to take it away, and he beseeched God. He begged God in prayer. And the reply that he got was this, God's grace is sufficient, and his real power is made perfect through weakness. And this is my... Um, area of concern for us as a Christian community. Uh, I think that we don't like the idea of weakness, particularly in our leaders. Um, We tend to be triumphalist. uh, And we don't like the idea of our leaders going through pain and suffering because we feel that to be fully Christian, that we should be fully healthy. And I just worry that sometimes we're hedonistic, um, that we don't see the point of pain. We just want to embrace pleasure. And and I think this is the burner. I think the burner is this, that Jesus said that we are to take up his cross, give our lives away, and follow Jesus through sometimes deep, dark periods of darkness and pain. And I'm I'm afraid to say, and I think this is true, pain and power are inextricably inextricably linked. The self-sufficient John Wayne leader, as Lewis Anthony writes in his new book, is not only a myth, it's a heresy. We are not... Uh, all singing, all dancing, always correct, always healthy, always correct in what we say and teach. We we have areas that are, are very difficult that we struggle with. And that is the point. It's not necessarily that we want to get out from underneath these difficulties. It's actually that God is allowing these difficulties to push us into a deeper dependence on him.
0: Yeah, I mean, Paul talks about, doesn't he, glorying in his weakness, which, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> which is not, you know, not something that's, um, you know, there are some exceptions, uh, thankfully, but uh, it is not something classically believed and understood in, in leadership. And, and certainly the suffering dimension is, is sometimes overlooked, isn't it, when yeah. we reflect on leadership?
1: It it, it is. And I remember as a young Christian reading a book by Tozer, and I didn't understand what he wrote at the time, but I think I understand it a little bit more now. He said, it's doubtful whether God can bless a person greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And I I thought, what on earth is that all about? And yet, every person I'm seeing who's being used significantly by God, their lives are textured, textured by pain, and they've been through some pretty dark times. And... I think that weakness that they have in their lives and that we have in our own life is, is, has to be a part of leadership. It's a recognition that we can't convince other people that we are self-sufficient and that God is self-sufficient at the same time. You know, We can't say that we trust God and, and actually be always demonstrating that we actually, in the end, we're trusting ourselves.
0: We're listening to The Leadership file with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Alan Palmer. We're looking uh, particularly at what Paul, the Apostle Paul, says about leadership. We're going to be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Alan Palmer. Alan is the Head of Religious Studies and Head of Scholars at Coxbridge at Colliford School in Bury St. Edmunds. He served as a pastor in uh, UK, Canada and Belgium. Uh, we were talking before the break of, uh, of what the Apostle Paul taught about leadership and reflecting upon uh, the ways in which he gloried in his weaknesses, that Paul himself suffered and uh, was, uh, had, had that thorn in the flesh, whatever that is, which uh, afflicted him, which God chose not to take away. Um, Alan, we've been reflecting on the the caricature of the Christian leader who appears on the platform at conferences and seems to have it all together. Now, I've heard some platform speakers themselves bemoan the way in which they're seen as celebrities. They they would say, Well, it's not their fault. I wonder we maybe reflect upon that for a few moments.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean Andy Warhol said, didn't he, that in the future we'll all everyone will have their fifteen minutes of fame, but <laughs> yes. I, I honestly think that um the celeb culture um, that has slipped um, from the secular, secular world into the Christian world is, is not a good one. It's not a good one for us as uh, Christians, and it's not good for those who uh, we consider to be celebrities. Um, I think it puts undue pressure um, on Christian leaders who have got any kind of uh, celebrity status. Um, the, the, the problem, too, is that for us we can start to live substitute lives, that we kind of live our lives through them. Um, that we get most of our instruction and our direction through them, that we try to model our lives on them. And you've got to bear in mind that when people are up on the platform preaching, they are smoothing out a lot of the bumps and curves um, that happen in the Christian life simply because of the way that they're preaching and presenting the material. And they are not presenting a textured life that many of us have to live with uh, the dark and the light times in our lives. And I think that they know that, and I think that they also realize that um, it's very, very dangerous to live that close to the sun. Um, you're likely to get singed if you're living that much in the light. And if they're not very careful, they'll suck the light into themselves like a black hole. And and God won't stand for that because God won't give his glory to anybody else. And, and I honestly think that's an important issue to face down. Um, the other thing I would say is that all celebrities, um, those who are well-known, um, are, are not uh, people who are perfect. They have feet of clay. And we also have this horrible t- tendency in the UK to have what's called the tallest poppy syndrome. We just really like to find um, some difficulties in their life and, and to talk about it. So I, I'm not keen on celebrity um, ideas amongst the Christians. and. Um, if I can quote a celebrity, actually, Rick Warren, <laughs> um, he said, "It's all about Jesus and not about us." And I, I, I get a tendency um, when I'm thinking about this to think that maybe the focus is too much on an individual person and their ministry, and not enough on God and the Lord Jesus. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, in fairness to some who are, who have their their time of uh, prominence, they do mm. they often pointing back to God and uh, yeah, and reflecting on. Uh, as you said, on on some of their weaknesses and the struggles, but um, but but as you say, we, you know, human human nature is such. We like to have our heroes and, and Christian Absolutely. heroes Absolutely, and well. I
1: think that it's, it's probably we're more to blame than the celebrities are to blame yeah, uh, in yeah. that sense. I think that we place them on pedestals. We have an expectation that is unrealistic. Mm. Um, and you know we need to think about that as as regular Christians, and 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 maybe we need to change our mind on that.
0: Mm. Now, I mean, Alan, um, to ask you a personal question: you've you've faced challenges in your own leadership. You've shared some of that on on air before. Um, how have your studies encouraged you personally?
1: Well, I found this whole area of the fact that God will use weak and uh, sometimes inept people. Uh, in his service and I found that a tremendous relief that I don't have to have everything together, that I don't have to have every, you know, all my ducks in a row, that I don't have to be um, living, you know, the super spiritual life to be used by God. In fact, um, when I'm feeling at my worst, sometimes God can use me for for the best and one of the things I've discovered, and I, I hope this is helpful to other people, is the areas that I thought I was really strong in. And why I came into ministry, I've often found to be my biggest weaknesses and the areas that I felt most weak and vulnerable and dependent on God in have turned out to be the areas which God has used most. So I find it a tremendous relief to kind of let go of that whole sense of uh, the myth of the super leader and recognize that God wants to use broken people, um, that he wants to use cracked pots like me and you uh, to let his light shine through.
0: I mean, we've we've uh, both, I think, um, grown up in a culture which which discouraged sharing of personal stuff in in sermons and the like. Yeah. Have, have you found a bit, a bit more freedom to do that, or have you? Are you still a bit reticent in your in the your preaching? Well, I,
1: I, I this is really trying to be as honest as I can. I I feel much more free now that I preach mostly um, as a guest speaker in churches and different things. I felt much more reticent when I was with the same congregation every week. I, I felt it because I didn't want to let them down. Um, I didn't want them to feel um, that I wasn't coping, even when I wasn't coping. Um, but now I think if I went back into a settled ministry within a local church, um, I would like to share with them as honestly honest, honestly as I could um, areas of weakness and, and, sh- and shortcoming. obviously within reason in a public forum. Um, so that I don't make the people who are listening to me feel inadequate, that they can't live up to the standards that they see the leaders living up to. I think it's a tremendous release and relief for Christians to hear that, you know what, um, even those people they look up to and who they find leadership from have deep areas of struggle and have a deep need to be daily dependent on God.
0: Yeah, yeah certainly there's a, um, it is a, it's a challenge to to not... Use use your messages as a kind of therapy session, Absolutely. and then get people feeling sorry for you. That's yeah. you know, it's not that, but it is, as you say, giving a, a degree of reality that you know I've 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 battled with these issues. Maybe if you're preaching on a topic and uh, and and help people to realise this is part of our discipleship. So yeah,
1: I think it is. I I, I think that um, it all all depends on the the closeness that you have as a fellowship and as a, as a church and the trust. Um, but I think sometimes leaders have got to be prepared to uh, take out a, a step and just to be willing to be vulnerable. Um, Jesus certainly was, Paul certainly was, uh, and I think that uh, we should be too.
0: Now, what would you say to the leaders listening who are, who are going through a tough time at this moment? They're saying this is all very well in theory, um, but I'm, I feel that, that the kind of pressures that the Apostle Paul spoke of I, I, I really do feel my weakness
1: well this is going to sound like a really simple um, way forward but one of the things that I think is um, absolutely invaluable is that you find a friend and you find a friend who you can talk to and you find someone who you can be completely transparent and honest with um, and you um, make sure that you meet with them and, and, and pray with them and talk some of the issues through that you're going going through I honestly think that's really, really important to have someone you can talk to um, and you can be absolutely honest with. Um, I'd suggest someone who is um, maybe a bit more mature than you, someone who is um, maybe uh, able just to sit and listen and and has greater experience in the sense of uh, longer time in leadership. But I I honestly think that's that's really important. And the, the other thing I'd say, Andy, is this, that it may be, and i can 't comment on other people 's lives, but it may be that if you 're going through a difficult time, God is doing something of a decentering uh process on you he 's decentering you he 's trying to push you off the center and he 's trying to bring himself more into the into the center of your life and i don 't think that you should take that in any sense of shame and guilt. I think there are things that happen in our lives that uh, make us kind of wobble and make us feel insecure. And make us think, okay, where are my foundations? What am I really depending on? And whether that's God there or not. And I think sometimes um, God allows those difficulties for us to get out of the middle of our lives, get out of the way, and for him to come more into the center of our lives.
0: And uh, uh, particular books that you found useful in your thinking?
1: Yeah, I'm... I just I mentioned it earlier in uh, in our conversation um Justin Lewis Anthony's book uh, You Are the Messiah and I should know and why why leadership is probably a myth and most probably a heresy it's a it's his PhD thesis but it's uh, really readable and very helpful um John Pritchard the Bishop of Oxford's book The Life and Work of a Priest was really helpful um Roy Clements, uh, The Strength of Weakness, How God Uses Our Flaws to Achieve Our Goals. That was helpful. And my friend uh, Derek Tidbull's books, uh, Preacher, Keep Yourself from Idols, and Builders and Fools, both by IVP, was really helpful. And just two more. Timothy Keller, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Brilliant book. And uh, the old Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey, uh, The Christian Priest Today. Again, brilliant on looking at what it is to be um used by god and used by the spirit
0: fantastic and if you're looking for a pen what i would do is <laughs> i'll put those on the um when on the on demand section of the website so you can uh you can find that there um when you come to list, either listen again or just go to the website so so good good list of books there which i'll make sure we get we get the details for Alan. so so time has defeated us but it's um It's terrific to chat with you, and and I think sound this very important note uh, that I I know is going to encourage enormously uh, many folk who are kind of battling away, perhaps not feeling um, a celebrity in their own church, let alone (laughs) any any, any wider. Uh, And, and, you know, your reminder that that this is part of the apostolic ministry, and this is the part of the way Jesus went, and this is the part that we go to. Mm. So, thank you for, for all that you shared. You're welcome. So you've been listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Alan Palmer. Alan is the Head of Religious Studies and Head of Scholars and Oxbridge at Colford School in Bury St. Edmunds, a uh, former pastor himself. Um, and we were talking, as I say, about uh, the Apostle Paul and uh, some of the, the challenges that he faced in his leadership. And you can listen uh, online, go to the Premier website and go to Leadership File, and you can listen online to this one and other uh, um, recordings of the leadership file if you if you choose to do so. As I say, I'll try and uh, put some of the books that uh, Alan has recommended there in case that would be um, a, a source of uh, further information for you. So I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in.